Welcome to episode three of the Easton Podcast. I'm George Tekmachov, and today we've got a special guest. It is the Secretary General of World Archery, Mr. Tom Dillon. Tom, thank you for joining us via telephone from uh, Lausanne, I believe, right? That's correct, George, and a pleasure for me to be uh, in this podcast. Well, at this time, we are back from Copenhagen with, I believe, to be a very successful event having uh, taken place, the World Archery Championships uh, in the history books, and it was uh, a big one for the history books, wasn't it? Absolutely. It has been breaking records on all levels uh, in participation, uh, both in countries and in athletes, uh, especially in the recap categories, uh, it broke all records, um, more than 200 in the recap men competing for uh, three medals, for instance. Every event of this size has its uh, challenges and its successes. Let's talk about the challenges. The weather, certainly one of I, the biggest ones, right? Yeah, the weather, <laughs> the weather okay, it's, uh, it's, it's clear that uh, being in the north of Europe uh, is um, opening the door for some challenges with the weather. Um, if you look at the TV images over the weekend, you would not expect it that there was hail and quite uh, challenges, uh, challenging weather for the athletes, uh, because on the weekend the weather was perfect, uh, and you would need rather sun cream rather than a rain coat. But uh, during the week we've had some challenging uh, weather conditions. Yeah, pouring rain. There was hail at one point. We had wind speeds of up to 30 miles an hour, and. Um, it was certainly tough on the archers, but interestingly, I think you'll agree that the uh, the best archers did rise to the surface. Well, I think uh, experience uh, helps for certain archers for sure. And uh, yeah, well, if you look at who won, uh, in the end, no big, big surprises. Uh, the world record holder in the main compound won the world title. Uh, Kim Jing in the men, uh, well, he, he was the world champion in 2011, claimed his second title. Ki from Korea, Olympic champion, but never made it to world champion. Well, she got her world champion title. So it, it's clear that uh, there is, in the end, I would say, a logical outcome of most of the uh, medals. Uh, now, of course, uh, some people fell out early on and... Uh, uh, didn't make it to the finals, but in, in general we can say uh, it was a, a good competition. 17 countries medals, four continents. The only continent didn't medal was uh, Oceania, but I'm pretty sure that Australia was quite happy with the three team places they got for the Olympics. So a very, very universal competition with a lot of countries winning medals. And this is a great, important point, the universality of our sport. It's one of the reasons why we're a core Olympic sport now. Absolutely, uh, universality is key for our sport, and uh, I let's face it, we are one of the most, if not the most, competitive sport for for medals now. Looking at the uh, recurve women, we had Kibo Bay, we had Lin Xia Chia, and we had Choi Misun. So that's a Asia sweep for the recurve women. But there were a lot of uh, other competitive shooters uh, in that category, and I think we're seeing progress. But what is, I think, very significant yeah, is yeah, absolutely. What I think is very significant, though, Tom, is looking at the compound women. We now have a Korean... Yeah, compound women is... Yeah. Well, yeah, I compound mean, Compound women is really is breaking open, and I think it's, it, it is a necessary thing to happen. I, I think I uh, had a lot of discussions uh, earlier this year with manufacturers and, and people in the industry uh, about uh, what the chances are for compound to get in the Olympics and, and so on. 
and, and I, the point I've made every time is that there needs to be a huge uh, change in compound women in terms of universality and competitiveness, and I think what we have seen in Copenhagen is the first step for sure. Sure. I mean, we've got uh, our first Korean world champion in the compound women's category. We have, shall we say, the usual suspects, an American, Crystal Galvin, doing a great job taking second place at that event. And then, of course, from South America, the great Sarah Lopez of Colombia. So that's universality at its best, I would imagine. In the past, we've had Russian yeah, exactly. uh, archers, German that. archers. Yeah, and okay, we had, uh, well, uh, the Russian uh, compound ladies did quite well. A little bit disappointing were, I would say, Italy, France, uh, uh, Britain, you can say, as well, uh, uh, in terms of compound uh, women. But, uh, well, it's, it's, it's clear that it's so tight uh, in all four categories in terms of you make uh, one nine, you drop uh, ten places in the rankings, and it's very, very competitive these days. Yeah. Recurve men, no big surprises, I would say, uh, except, Tom, where are the French? What is going on? Yeah, that was uh, the, the big, um, I would say, surprise. I Having said that, based on the season so far, they didn't do well in Shanghai, they didn't do well in Baku at European Games. So it was coming. Um, I think um, they need... To, to have serious, I would say, analysis made of, of why it's not working. Because if I look at results of competitions in France, uh, uh, which I regularly follow, and, and I see the results are there. It's just they don't seem to be able to do it on the day it needs to happen. So it's a performance issue under pressure, perhaps. Yeah, and okay. Uh, also, well, they had some, of course, since London, they lost their travel. They have some, some other archers that uh, are no longer making the team, and I think it's, it's important that they make a full analysis of, of what is happening. Okay, let's look at this from the perspective of the Olympic selection portion of the event. And by the way, I'm here with Tom Dillon, Secretary General of World Archery. I'm George Tekmichev. You're listening to episode two, or three rather, of the Easton podcast. Tom, uh, this event was very important from the standpoint of providing countries the opportunity to win both team and individual slots for the Olympic Games. It, by example, if you finished in the top eight in the team round, you had a full team qualified, that is three individuals, for the Rio Olympics next year. Similarly, if you had an individual perhaps not finish in the top eight in the teams, but still finish in the top eight individually, they would win a single slot for their countries. With that said, what was your biggest surprise from this event? Well, I, I would say now we have also had time to really look at the details. The, the, the biggest surprise is, okay, first of all, we have less countries that got places than in Torino. We have three less countries in total getting places. Um, then the other thing is that I the first impression was that uh, Europe lost its places to Asia. Now, if you look at the facts, it's actually not the case. Asia got exactly the same number of places they got in Torino, 26 places. Europe definitely has gone down, but the winner in the whole story is the Americas, where there is uh, nine more places allocated to the Americas than in uh, Torino. And we're not counting Brazil there, right? Well, we're counting Brazil, uh, of course, in that as well, which is, of, of course, a host, but still the, the, the winner 
independent of Brazil is the Americans. That counts uh, people like Colombia, for example. Colombia, Venezuela yeah. are two examples, and then Mexico. Uh, uh, Mexico, uh, uh, Canada got a place in the end as well. So United States got a total of four places, three for the. Exactly, which is the same situation as they had in Torino, three men and one woman. And then, of course, they got the, the team based uh, in 2012 uh, in, in the final qualifying. Tour. But a big disappointment for France and a big disappointment for Great Britain, I would imagine. Yeah, uh, talk about Olympic legacy, uh, the next Olympic Games, uh, after you hosted the Olympic Games and, and you don't make any place at the main qualifier, they're going to be under a big challenge to get any place now uh, for uh, for Rio. Maybe the home advantage of European continental qualifier will help. That's in Nottingham, uh, England, right? There, need... Exactly, yeah. But yeah, as well, they have to make some serious analysis of, of what the situation is. They have great youngsters coming up, but I'm afraid it will be a little bit too late for Rio, uh, I think uh, they should now focus really on, on Tokyo and then hopefully get lucky and get some places for, uh, for Rio. Well, to be sure, part of the problem is that, that they have big competition for that continental qualifying tournament because you've got France, for example, in the hunt for some Olympic slots, and, and that's going to be a problem. You're going to have some other powerful countries, Germany, Italy come to mind, looking for slots mm-hmm. at, that, at that event in Nottingham. Uh, in, the, in the continental qualifier, Germany and Italy are out. Because so they've got... They got, uh, they got places individually and, and team in the men for Italy. So they so don't play. Germany is, is out, but uh, you still have uh, a lot of countries in, in the hunt for, for places. Uh, in the men, uh, Russia uh, is one to name. Turkey has zero as well. That's another big archery country that is looking for places. Uh, you have the Moldova kid that shot really well in the qualification and didn't make it in the end uh, for the place. So, yes, a lot of uh, still very strong nations uh, that uh, are looking for spots, so the place will be very, very expensive. Yeah, hard to get. All right. And then finally, there's one more event. That's the final qualifying tournament, which will be at the World Cup event in Antalya, Turkey, next uh, next spring. Now, that's out of sequence as events go, right? There's, there's some changes to the World Cup schedule. Yeah, there will be, I next year, in Olympic, in Olympic year, we only have three World Cup games, but the final one will be in Antalya, which will have one extra day to accommodate the final team qualifier and also the final individual qualifying tournament. And uh, there, there will be three team spots per gender on the spot. Um, this was introduced also for the London qualification. And uh, it's really to give a chicken chance to teams that didn't make it during the World Championships. And, yeah, well, <laughs> there, if you look at, for instance, the next host of the Olympic Games, Japan, is going to look for qualifying their men's team. Uh, I think uh, it's one of the Taipei team is another one in the women. Uh, and then, okay, coming back to the Germany, France, uh, US, we already mentioned for the women, uh, India for the men. There is a lot of very, very strong nations that are going to compete for those three places. Yeah, it will not be easy by any means. The pressure will be very high. And I think it's a little tough on the teams, Tom. Uh, you mentioned the Japanese men, just as an example. 
Um, the Japanese Federation is actually going to send their men's team here to Salt Lake City in January for a, a camp and a round-robin event which will generate for them their final candidates to send to Antalya. That's a strategy that they are taking that's different than what they originally planned. And, and lots of countries are going to be doing whatever it takes to get those final slots, but that takes some focus away from actual Olympic preparation, doesn't it? Uh, it does. Uh, having said that, on the other hand, we have seen in the past that the ones that do well at the final qualifiers, meaning European Championships, Rick van der Ven is a good example. Yeah, good one. He got the spot from the Netherlands uh, just at the, at the last moment. They tend to do also quite well in the Olympics. Um, but, okay, it's, uh, it's clear that they, they know what they're going to do this winter, that's for sure. Looking ahead to the next World Championships, the uh, event comes to the Americas, specifically Mexico City. Tell us a little bit about the venue and what you expect two years from now. Well, um, now Mexico um, uh, is going to host uh, for, for the first time a, a senior World Championship. They hosted the Youth World Championship in the past. Mexico uh, really actually is one of their key sports, uh, of course, that got uh, a lot of... Uh, uh, support after they won two medals in London, but and they see now uh, archery really as one of the key sports that they want to follow. The the beat was really coming from the athletes. Uh, Juan Rene Serrano, uh, to give her name, he was really pushing for the beat because he wanted to really bring uh, a championship to his country, and uh, uh, we were quite impressed with what they were doing with the Mexican Challenge. Uh, where in uh, a few months they were able to put together a, a really good event uh, similar to what we do with the World Cup Finals. So uh, we really look forward. Uh, Sokalao is where we will have the, the World Cup Final this year, which if it's successful there, we will also do the, the World Championships Final there, which is middle of town. Uh, they're expecting uh, 5,000 uh, spectators per session, so it could be really, really big. And, of course, the finals for the World Cup this year will be there, and that will be a great shakedown for the preparation for the uh, next World Championships taking place in 2017. Yeah, I think it will give a, a good uh, first impression of, of what it can be in, uh, in two years' time. And uh, uh, at the same time, I think also uh, it will be the first World Championship of, an, of, of a new generation because I had a feeling really in Copenhagen as well that Many of the faces that we've been seeing around uh, the country teams uh, are now going to start thinking of uh, uh, stopping to compete internationally since they're being more and more pressured by young people to get in the team. And uh, I think uh, 2019 will be very interesting because you'll see a lot of new faces coming up. Well, I expect that we'll continue to uh, follow up on the preparations for the Olympic Games with yourself and with Chris Wells and with the team from Rio in the months ahead as we continue these podcasts. Tom, thank you for joining us today. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you here. It is World Archery Secretary General, Mr. Tom Dillon, talking to us. Thank Stay. you, George, and uh, I hope uh, we'll listen to many more podcasts on, on your site. And so we close uh, another podcast with the uh, wrap-up of the Copenhagen 2015 World Archery Championships. The recurve women, third place Choi Misun of Korea, second place Lin Xiechia of Chinese Taipei, Ki Bo Bei, the great champion of the Olympic Games of 2012, winning her first World Championships. For the recurve men, it was my good friend Furukawa, 
Takaharu Furukawa of Japan, shooting the Eastern Contours, Rick van der Ven, our friend from the Netherlands, and the two-time now world champion from Korea, Kim Woo-jin, who I got to shoot a few arrows with uh, the other day, and, and he's just a great, great competitor. Sarah Lopez taking third for the compound women. Crystal Galvin of the United States of America taking second place, a silver medal. And the first world champion for women's compound from Korea, but surely not the last, it is Kim Yoon-hee taking the championship. And finally for the compound men, Adam Ravenscroft of GBR taking third. Rajat Chauhan of India taking second. And the home field advantage went to Stephen Hansen of Denmark, uh, the Prince of Copenhagen, shooting brilliantly after some high-pressure rounds earlier in the week. It was windy, it was rainy, it was cold, and then, at the end, it was beautiful weather for the World Championships in Copenhagen, where we look forward to hopefully someday going back for another archery event. That closes out the Easton Podcast with our special guest, Mr. Tom Dillon, Secretary General of World Archery for Easton. I'm George Takmachov, and we'll see you next time here on the Easton Podcast.